This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is your homegrown sports book where local takes on an entirely different meaning, focusing on the teams, games, and players that matter to you. Sports Interaction is on the ground, on top of all the local trends, and offering prop bets that you'd never even imagine existed, from same-game parlays to a best-in-class casino featuring thousands of games and live 24-7 dealers. And now introducing The Locker Room, the first of its kind in Canada, a live watch party for the biggest games of the week. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN to open an account. Bet local. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And if you have questions or concerns about gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please go to connexontario.ca. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, your trade board is out. We're going to spend the bulk of today's episode talking about that and all of the big names on it. But we need to get to some news that happened earlier this week. Ottawa Senators. I'm, I got to admit, I'm, I'm surprised it happened. But DJ Smith, no longer head coach. And they have wound the clock all the way back to the early 2000s. Jacques Martin has taken over as head coach in his place. What are your thoughts on the firing and Jacques Martin taking over and what the Senators could do next? Well, look, this is them reaching back into their past to try to build a brighter future. Cause they've also added Daniel Alfredson as a full-time assistant coach, to their bench uh, with Davis Payne going out. And you know, this is a move. What you need to know is that the senators absolutely did not want to make, um, you know, I, my sense is that this came together very quickly after their loss this week uh, in Vegas, you know, they've been on a, a difficult road trip here where the team's kind of taken a step back. I, I think that, you know, Steve Stales and management really felt that, that Ottawa was on the right track when they got back from Sweden. They had they had a run there. I think that they won three out of five games, but they, they were playing better. And then they've sort of regressed uh, during this road trip and, and endured another tough couple losses. And I think they just got to a point where they felt like it was almost inhumane to send DJ Smith back out there, especially, um, you know, with their final game before the holiday break being a home game against Pittsburgh. You know, we, we've already heard chance of fire DJ in the Canadian Tire Center this year. And, and you know, I think that there was real concern about what that would look like. And so, you know, this is a stopgap solution for the time being. Obviously, Jacques Martin into his 70s now, you know, had been brought on initially just as a sort of a senior consultant to the coaching staff. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit of what you saw Edmonton do a couple years back with, with Ken Hitchcock. Actually, Hitchcock also had a second tour of duty in Dallas, you might forget, for, you know, part of a season when they were between coaches. And, and you know, I think that, it makes a lot of sense given that they're also currently looking for a general manager in Ottawa. You know, typically you let a GM uh, pick his or her coach. And in, in this case, you know, I think that that's probably the, the order of events we're looking at. Although, you know, Steve Stales, when he spoke to reporters, did, didn't really want to give an explicit timeline. I think he doesn't want to box themselves into any particular line of thinking, you know, point of fact being maybe a coach that we don't know today comes available. That's really attractive to them and they move and, 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 and make a full-time hire there. But um, I think, you know, really the plan right now is probably to finish out this year with Martin behind the bench, see if he can get them playing a little better defensively. I think that's been a real uh, weakness of the senators, obviously not helped by their goaltending, which is, is struggled at times this season, but you know, that the playoffs might be a little too much to ask at this point in time. Uh, for Ottawa, but it, you know they, they need to get playing meaningful games, and and they're they're hoping that this change is something that will get the players' attention and allow them to do that. 
Yeah, my next question was about what the players have been feeling about this. And and, and you mentioned with the playoffs being a stretch, what a, what a disappointing season for this organization that had a lot of hopes to make the playoffs. Yeah, unfortunately, there's some parallels with what's gone in Buffalo as well. You know, another team in the same division expected to turn a corner and it, and it hasn't happened this year. I mean, even Detroit, after a strong start, it, you kind of lump those three teams together because they've been on a similar timeline with rebuilding. They've obviously added some nice young players to the roster in, in recent years by by finishing out of the playoffs. And you're, you're wondering if they're all ready to take the step. And and perhaps the answer is none of them. I mean, the Red Wings have dealt with some injuries, but they've they've been on a losing run here. And so I see Ottawa kind of in that cluster of teams. And, and there is real disappointment there. I think that, you know, they feel maybe that they need almost a little bit more leadership in their, in their dressing room. They've lost some some veteran players. I know Derek Broussard was an important player sort of off the ice for the Senators last year, and he retired after last season, maybe didn't re- replace, you know, the, the value that he brings to the team and brought to the team. Um, but, you know, they're in a difficult spot. I think that's why it makes sense to lean on an experienced hand like Jacques Martin, you know, who's had a lot of success in the league as a head and assistant coach, you know, really probably was the, the finest run for the Senators organization was when, when he was in charge of the team and, you know, with, with him. And I think the way that Daniel Alfredson, you know, kind of, kind of carries a, an aura about him, right. When he's, when he's around these players, I mean, he's, he's certainly the most impactful player in Senators history. Um, you know, the hope is that they can maybe push some buttons, maybe that, that DJ wasn't able to by the end. I know DJ is a really, you know, popular coach. I think the players really liked them. That wasn't necessarily the issue, but you know, as we see, and, and most coaches do have some kind of shelf life. Um, you know, DJ had four years at the helm there. That's, that's probably a little bit more than average believe it or not, in that profession. And and so, you know, I think Martin is a, a short-term stopgap, but who knows? Maybe it goes well. Maybe we're talking about them keeping him on for next year. I mean, that that's, you know, he's got, I kind of feel like when you've got the job in, in under your control, you know, anything's possible. It's sort of similar. Drew Bannister was brought into to St. Louis last week after Craig Brube was fired on an interim basis. You know, the, the Blues are going to look at elsewhere for coaches, but, you know, if he does a good job, if he gets a turnaround, I mean, it might be a longer stay for him. So, you know, we'll kind of have to see how things play out in Ottawa, but you know, I think it just, it got to a, almost like a crisis point where, you know, clearly this isn't something that, that was on the plans for, for new ownership, but um, you know, the season was sliding completely into the abyss and they're, they're going to try to salvage something of it still. We'll get to sports interaction in a second, but I, I have one more question. It's a little bit more general. You mentioned that the Senator situation does parallel what's going on in Buffalo. That's another team having a disappointing year. Those two, those two teams and Detroit, who's no longer in a playoff spot, have been on these long rebuilds. I wonder what their performances this season and over the last few years sort of says about rebuilding and how teams need to absolutely do it in order to get better. I've heard this from more than one GM. Like everyone loves the idea of a rebuild. It's kind of a nice title. It sounds like it's a plan, right? Like this is, you know, we're in the muck and this is how we're going to lead our way out of it but there are so many cautionary tales out there. I mean, you go back even to Edmonton who had all that run of first overall picks before they, they finally, you know, in these last number of years gotten on, on a good path. But I mean, that took like 15 years of rebuild, right? Uh, when you think back to, you know, picking Taylor Hall first overall um, and a number of players after that, you know, I, I, I do think that it is very cautionary and, and, you know, we talked about Pittsburgh in our last episode. I think that's why in some ways they might be smart if they, end up doing kind of a retool, but, but not, you know, tearing it right down to, to the studs because, you know, it, it can just be a painfully long process. Even if you make the right draft picks, like 
you look at Ottawa, the year that they took Sanderson and Stutzla with the third and fifth pick, those probably even now with the benefit of hindsight are, were the right picks, you know, based on what they could do at that time. I mean, great players for them, but it's still not enough to propel them forward, you know, on their own. I mean, the hockey is a team game. You know, it'll be interesting to see where things go in Chicago too. I mean, look at them right at the bottom of the standings. You know, they obviously rebuilt with some purpose last year, knowing, you know, what the, the prize in the lottery was. They won that prize in Connor Bedard. You know, he's he's doing everything you could hope for him um, in his first NHL season. And they're still a long, long, long way away, it looks to me, from being a contender. And and with each successive year, the expectations go up. You know, the fans want to see progress. I think that's that's really why you heard the chants in Ottawa. It, I don't believe it was about DJ Smith specifically. It, it was a general frustration from a fan base that's that's kind of bought into the this idea that we're we're rebuilding with a purpose but it just takes a long long time i mean ottawa the last time they played a meaningful game like truly meaningful game probably is the 2017 eastern conference final game seven against pittsburgh you know lost in double overtime that night one one goal away from the stanley cup and you know here we are almost seven years later and they, they haven't really sniffed the playoffs since and and Looks like it's not going to happen this season unless unless we, we talk about some sort of historic turnaround. You know, a St. Louis Blues circa 2019-esque turnaround would be needed uh, for the Senators. It, it's possible, like mathematically, if you look at it, they have games in hand still on, on every team in the league because they had a very strange opening uh, section of their schedule. So if they get incredibly hot and play at 650 or 7, you know, 100 winning percentage hockey, they, they can get back into the playoff race. I just think that's a tall task. Uh, when you look at the underlying numbers, when you look at the way this isn't just about results for them. I think it, the, the underlying performance isn't there. And, you know, as much as a new coach, you know, Jacques Bartin gets hired, what, on a, on a Monday after practice has already happened that day. He's coaching a game Tuesday night in Arizona, a game Thursday night in Denver. Like, like there's no time really for a coach during the season to Im imprint much on the roster. Obviously, you know, I think he's talked about wanting to just build up the players' confidence you know, because no one's in a good state of mind at, at this point in the season. They they understand everything we're saying. I don't think any Senators player would push back on. I mean, it's it's really not gone as planned there. And your your larger question about rebuilds, I think, is is pertinent. And we've seen some teams get away with with not the full rebuild, right? Like Boston is the gold star example of that. You know, they had a core of a team that won the Stanley Cup in 2011, went to the final again in 2013. They took a step back and missed the playoffs a couple of years. They drafted David Pasternak, Charlie McAvoy, some other players that have kind of come in and given them another wave here where they've been a top team. They've somehow watched uh, legendary players like Zdeno Chara step aside and Patrice Bergeron, Tuka Rask, and still kept on winning. I mean, you, there are ways to do it without, you know, finishing last and getting the first overall pick. Um, you know, even Montreal, right? Let's, let's see where it goes there. I think there's still a degree of patience around the Canadians. But it's it's starting to get a little thin, right? It is. I mean, that's that's a team you know a lot about. I don't have to tell you. I mean, it's it's they they feel like they have to start winning next year, like taking real steps next season. So this is kind of their last grace year, where you know I would expect they'll be trading away some top players, heading into the deadline, focused on future assets, all those types of things. But eventually, you got to win games. You can only sell hope for so long before that hope goes away. Yeah, there's a larger conversation to be had about rebuilding, maybe a larger story to be written about for The Athletic. I mean, a free story idea for you, maybe. Or, or <laughs> collab like, piece. We could, we could collab, collab it, bud. I mean, we could collab it. 
I I can think of a team that is on the verge of 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 considering such a decision, and that actually might be a good idea for us to get started on. That's actually that's actually look a at, really look good at us. Idea. We're workshopping live. Like everyone is seeing how the sausage is made. That's literally that's really a good idea. We should actually we'll we sh- we'll we'll plan this. We'll plan this. Yeah, I like that. We build it around. We we build the hook around where the flames are at right now and the decisions they're facing. Yeah. And then maybe I call some of the GMs of the teams that started these rebuilds and get their thoughts or something like that. I mean, I think I think there's there's promise in that piece, my friend. All right, we're gonna get to a, we're gonna talk about this after we finish recording. But in the meantime, let's get to sports interaction. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. You can go on the website now and find the odds for who will win the Rocket Burchard Trophy. Austin Matthews is the betting favorite at 2.10 to 1 uh, to win uh, the trophy for most goals. Do you think he he hangs on and wins it? Do you think he scores, I don't know, maybe what, 60, 70 goals? What, what say you about Austin Matthews? I don't think 70 can be ruled out at this point. I mean, as we're recording this, he's on pace for 72 goals, Julian. And that's even with one game missed. He sat out a game uh, where he had an illness this season. And, you know, what I see from Austin Matthews is he's at back at the top of his game. Last year, by his standards, was a bit of an offseason uh, for him. The Leafs are counting on him maybe now more than ever uh, to produce offense. He's been on a very hot run through December. And so that brings this conversation into focus. You know, I think that the real number is even to get back to 60, like not a very many players in their career score 60 twice. You know, he did it two years ago in winning the rocket. Um, you know, I think that they, they're, they're correct to put him as the most likely player to win it. Uh, he's got the most dangerous shot in the game right now. And, you know, looks a little bit like a man on a mission uh, for, for a Leafs team, as they say, that's needed his offensive output. So um, I don't think 70 is totally out of the question. It sounds ridiculous, but, you know, McDavid got to 64 last year. We're seeing scoring up. We're seeing uh, save percentages down in the league. Uh, obviously, those things go hand in hand. I, I, I mean, I certainly think Austin is most likely to win the Rocket, and I think he's going to surpass his total of two years ago. All right. Austin Matthews, criminally underrated in the NHL. <laughs> no one talks about him. Yeah, just completely under the radar goal scorer in the National Hockey League for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another you know- team that no one talks about. No one talks about the fact he's scoring all these goals with pizza pizza sticker on his helmet either. So, I mean, no, just saying, just saying, I, I think the, the vibes per 60 go up with the pizza pizza sticker. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game in game and the best props sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Go on the athletic website right now and check out CJ's trade board 2.0. Are you ready to do 3.0, 4.0, 5.0, however many it needs to take before we get to the trade deadline? I am, and it's funny. I didn't know that they would brand it as such. You know, I I, I just do my part of the the sort of the reporting on it, the putting it together, writing the blurbs, all that. But I, I didn't know they would say 2.0. I'm wondering, like, are we going to get to 10.0? I mean, we're treating this like operating system updates at this point. That, that's if you have the brain capacity to do it. I guess it probably won't get to 10 because, you know, we're, I wouldn't imagine we're doing one until the new year. Now that's going to be about eight weeks out from the deadline. Like even if we did one a week, it would take one a week to get to 10. I, I doubt we're doing one a week. Um, but I don't know. I haven't, I, this is brand new for me, right? I'm, I'm wearing the hat today, but this is, this is my first go round in a season with the athletics. So I'm, I'm not sure what uh, the editors have in mind for, for that. But I, I mean, obviously we're going to be updating it more and more as we get in, into the, 
new year and, and get closer to that trade deadline. And, you know, we'll see what it goes. We, we, it's bigger and better. I can say 2.0 is bigger and better. We went from 25 names to 30. Uh, and, and obviously we had to remove a couple from the previous board because Nikita Zadorov was traded uh, from the time it was done till the, this one. And uh, Samuel Montembeau signed his extension in Montreal. So his name came off too. A couple other names came off and a bunch of new ones went on. Yeah, uh, we'll start with the ones that are on. And you mentioned Nikita Zadorov, his uh, now former Calgary Flames teammates, still at the top of that leaderboard. Uh, Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, right at the top of your trade board. What are you hearing on those guys? Well, I think there's certainly a lot of interest in them. Um, you know, we start with Lindholm. You know, you're looking for fits around the league, and I don't think it's too hard to connect him to teams like Colorado. Um, which would be looking for a top six upgrade as, as we get closer to the, the trade deadline. You know, Boston always has seemed to be like a place Elias Lindholm would go. You know, they, they lost Patrice Bergeron in the off season. Uh, and, and, you know, while they've had such a great start to the year, I think that wouldn't be surprised to see them make a move as we get to closer to March 8th and, and address their center ice position. And, and there's really, you know, you look at the board here with respect to the other players, there's no one, even even in what has been an, an off season, I would say by Lindholm standards, or a little bit of down season, certainly production is not where it's been the last couple of years for him. Um, you know, I think he'll still be in pretty high demand. And you know, the the bigger question for you, Lindholm, is like how much money is is this season costing him or not? Right? Is is this going to impact um, you know what he's able to make in free agency? I think he wanted somewhere in the neighborhood of nine million on an extension uh, when that was in the air in Calgary last summer. Or at least the possibility of it. Um, you know, is he going to be able to sign a deal come July 1st that has a six, you know, like it's going to be 60 million, 62 million, 63 million. Can he get that high? Um, you know, maybe a trade can, can boost his value too. Not, not just with the production, but, uh, seeing him maybe, you know, play big games and, and have a strong playoff run with a team, um, you know, could be a big benefactor to him. So, you know, he, he, he might not get the money he wants, you know, we'll see if Noah Hannafin can get. The, the kind of money he turned down, you know, somewhere seven and a half million on an eight year deal. I think Calgary and him were talking about in October. Um, but yeah, the flames still kind of are the nexus, I think of activity. You know, the flyers are another team with a, a number of names here. The Montreal Canadians have a number of names on this board, but you know, the flames have the highest quality players I would say to offer. And, and, you know, we haven't even got into any of their players that aren't rentals. I mean, the three names at the top of the list are all expiring free agents. You know, I'm not sure where the, where it will stop in Calgary, but maybe some players with some term on their deals will end up moving when all said and done as well. I'm curious about, about a whole bunch of stuff when it comes to the Calgary Flames, obviously. Uh, I'll start with just between Lindholm and Hannafin. I think if you're Craig Conroy, those are the two guys where you need the best possible returns. We're talking first-round picks, uh, prospects that can improve the prospect pool. I'm also curious, too, and maybe this is just me throwing it out there, but you have the loaded contracts that you have, notably in, in Kadri and, and Huberto. You brought up younger players to let Kadri be better. Huberto's going through a pointless game streak right now. And ultimately, you need better players around him to make that contract look better. And I'm just curious if at any point in any of those deals, if someone comes in return who could be plugged into a lineup now that could help out Huberto. I, 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 of course, they're going to go for the future, but I'm curious if that's also going to be part of the MO as well. Well, look, I mean, some of this is just functional, Julian. I mean, the, the teams that are ultimately trading for these guys probably are capped out uh, because most of the league is capped out and certainly most of the competitive teams in the league trying to win the Stanley Cup already don't have much space. And so, you know, I think that there's opportunity in that for Calgary. Uh, as much as you want to create 
you know, a window for the young players to play, there is a limit. You, you need NHL ready players on your roster. And, and maybe that's one way to, to make some of these trades work just from a dollars and cents perspective. If, if Calgary is taking back a, a player or two, maybe a young player, you know, someone who isn't essential yet to the, the team he's on's success in the moment, but, you know, has some promise and maybe is ready for more of an opportunity uh, with, with the team, like where the flames will be, I think on the other side of these deals that, you know, I, it's, it's a good point. It's probably not just straight prospects and picks coming back. I, I think that you will see, you know, the, the possibility certainly of, of an NHL player involved in, in those types of deals. Although, you know, let's keep in mind during the season, that doesn't happen a whole lot. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, the, the, the flames might end up getting a little bit of salary dumped on them potentially as a way to, to get through this, especially if there's, there's players out there on expiring deals and the commitment isn't too long from Calgary's perspective. And then one more thing in terms of guys who may still have term in terms of offloading them. I'm very curious about if that opportunity presents itself. I've seen people wonder about the goaltending stable that they have. Obviously the flames want to bring up Dustin Wolf and have him be more of a regular. And people look at Jacob Markstrom's contract. He, I get the stats may say one thing, but he actually hasn't been, that bad this year but this is a goaltender in his 30s on a six million dollar deal with a no movement clause so I, I wonder about discussions with him if that's even something that's that's remotely possible at least in the moment I mean it would make some sense you know I'm not aware of any conversations to that end or or, or, Nor am I. Cal or Calgary putting you know either him or Dan Vladar out there on the market um but look I mean it's such a weird year like it it is just chaos in the crease right now like I how many teams are, do you look at them? And you're like, I'm not sure about the goaltending. I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm not sure how this all fits together. I mean, it, until this week, Detroit had three goaltenders on their roster, and then they found themselves signing Michael Hutchinson uh, on Tuesday because they they had injuries to to Billy Husso and Alex Lyon. I mean, I don't know what I don't know. Right up is down, left is right, and you know Calgary also has basically three top goalies in their system. Um, or three goaltenders I think they're comfortable with and will want to give Dustin Wolf some more opportunity and runway. So maybe that's something we see happen because it just feels like there's more teams looking for goalies than there are quality goaltenders available. And, and you know, if you're going down this road with, and trading away other players, um, you know, where do you draw the line? I think that's, that's going to be what's interesting to me. I, it's not a surprise to see three flames at the top of this board. There were four in, in trade board 1.0 and they've already traded one guy. I, I think that, there's a lot of reason to believe all of these players will be dealt by March 8th, uh, assuming they, they remain in good health and are able to be traded. Um, but you know, the question to me is we don't have any other flames on the board, but maybe maybe 3.0 or 4.0 will feature some other flames to lower down. We'll see. What about some of the other teams represented here? You mentioned Philadelphia and Montreal. What are you hearing about those situations? You know, for them, you know, they've got a number of defensemen. I know teams are interested in both Nick Sealer and Sean Walker. Maybe as a pair, maybe the two of them traded in the same trade. You've got Rasmus Ristolainen in there, um, who's, who's actually, you know, I know he's a bit of a polarizing player uh, because of some of the defensive miscues he makes, but he's a big physical guy. And he's had an uptick in performance, I would say, with the Flyers. You know, Philadelphia is willing to retain salary on a deal involving him. And so I think that that at least brings into the possibility that he could be moved. He's still got three years beyond this season on his contract, but, you know, it's not an overly onerous cap hit. And if, you know, if the Flyers retain salary, you know, it gets a little bit more comfortable for some teams out there. Um, you know, I, I think Philadelphia is going to be active, even even with the success they've had early in the year. I mean, I, 
I suppose the players can just keep winning and make it really difficult on management. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's pretty clear. Well, it's, it's been an encouraging start to their year that they're, they've got the longer term vision in mind. You know, the other one that I think will be a big market maker is the Montreal Canadiens. You know, yet again, it's sort of the, the third straight year that we've seen Kent Hughes be active ahead of the deadline. You know, I, I think that that's a team that I know is being heavily scouted uh, by other teams, just, just being prepared. I mean, Jake Allen is, is pretty high on this, this trade board list as, as probably the best goaltender that's clearly available right now. Um, you know, but you've also got players like Sean Monaghan. I've heard Mike Matheson's name out there, which is why he lands, um, you know, in the teens on the trade board, you know, even though he's got some, some term remaining, I mean, there's been a pattern, right? The Canadians traded away Joel Edmondson. They traded away Jeff Petrie twice. They traded away Ben Sherratt in recent years. And, and, you know, I, I think that if, if they can get a good return on, on Matheson, that's, that's another player you could see moved. And so, you know, right now, those are the big three. Um, you know, I'm kind of keeping a half side eye on Seattle where they wind up, you know, if they end up clearly outside of the, the, the playoff window entering March 8th, I think they've got a number of sort of intriguing players that are pending UFAs. You know, Pittsburgh's another team we're, we're watching closely. You know, Jake Gensel makes an appearance here on the trade board. And, and you know, he's a pending UFA. I don't get any sense that there's been contract talks there. And he'd be a pretty attractive chip if the Penguins decide to move him. I, you know, I certainly don't think that decision's been made yet. But it, he's he's someone that's got to be on our radar now with, with the way the Penguin season has started and the fact that, you know, I think he's a, you know, a pretty big piece that they can play. And so we're starting to, we're starting to get a sense of where things are going, but, but certainly by trade board 3.0, we're going to have a little bit more clarity yet. 50 names. I want 50 names on uh, trade board 3.0. Dude, this thing already came in at 4,000 words with 30 names. 4k. Damn. And well, obviously the names that have appeared on both, there's, there's a lot of overlap. You still have to go through each blurb because sometimes you put a statistical reference in there that may not yet still be, you know, up to date or, or so it's a lot of work. We, we will probably get to 50 names though. I mean, I, I think by the end, um, there'll be room for 50. What about Tyson Berry in, in Nashville? I know I'm getting to specific names now, but what about Tyson Berry in Nashville? Has there been any update on him? It seems to be in a bit of a holding pattern. I mean, obviously now we, we've entered officially the NHL's roster freeze here and you know the predators have actually been winning a lot of games lately uh and, and you wonder is this thing salvageable like i would have told you a few weeks ago probably not um you know just because tyson berry certainly was was worried about the opportunity that he had there or the lack of opportunity in nashville didn't like being scratched the handful of times he has been uh, but maybe if things turn maybe if there's an injury and they need him more i mean i guess crazier things have happened uh you know there the, the nashville certainly though isn't could it be a full sale seller if, if the way they've played of late is, is what happens. This would be more about accommodating a specific player's uh, wishes, but um, you know, it seems like it's, it's a bit status quo there. And really the holdup is what I would tell you for a lot of things. I mean, he, he still makes four and a half million on the cap. Uh, just teams have trouble fitting that in right now. And Nashville's not in a position to retain any salary on Barry because they've already used two of their three available retention spots. And so it would probably be unwise this far out to, to corner themselves and, and, remove the ability to do that moving forward. So you know, I think it's a, a bit of a holding pattern for Barry, but um, you know, there, there's certainly teams interested in him. It's just the interest wasn't great enough. Someone felt the need that they had to go out and trade for him, you know, before the roster freeze kicked in. One last one for you. Is there a name on this list that you're really keeping an eye on that not many people would think about too much? 
maybe number 30 spot, John Gibson. Um, you know, I know his name's been in trade rumors in the last couple off seasons, you know, and, and like the usual caveat, he makes over $6 million against the cap. And so, and he's got, you know, years beyond this one. So it's not an easy trade to make by any stretch, but I just think with the quality of goaltender that he is with Nash or with Anaheim rather heading for another playoff less season, um, you know, I just wonder if the time might be right. And with so many teams, of course, looking to upgrade their position and goal. You know, he's someone I think New Jersey's kept an eye on. You know, a few other teams are, are wondering about him. I, it's it's a tough deal. Like, I'm not going to – the reason he's 30th on the board is because he's 30th on the board. Like, it's it's a name that's floating out there, but I, I just don't know if that deal com- comes together by this trade deadline. But but that that one would be a curious one to me. If a team like the, the Devils, right, who – you know, I – the the young goaltenders they have have actually been playing a little better of late, but you know, if they went out to find a, an upgrade in goal, like how many places can they find that? Like, do they view a Jake Allen as an upgrade? You know, I know the devils have been around Montreal and, and shown, you know, a little bit of interest there, but I, you know, I don't get the sense that they're entirely sold on the fact that, that he could carry the mail for them in a playoff series. You know, the view might be a little different, but someone like John Gibson, the, the question I have with Gibson and, and it's not on his shoulders at all, but he's been part of a rebuilding program for so long. It's just, it's been so long since we've seen him play a, a truly big game. Like what, where is his frame of mind at? Where's his game at? Can he handle that load? You know, it, it's a bit of a question mark because he, he's been such a workhorse in his career, but you know, he hasn't, he hasn't played a playoff game in a long time. So um, that's, that's probably the the sleeper name I'll say. And that's, that's the reason he's number 30 because it's, it's not an expression of deep faith that he'll be moved, but it's certainly a possibility. Okay. Make, make sure to check out the Athletic website for the entire Trade Board 2.0 from uh, Mr. Chris Johnston. With that, let's get to stick taps and wrap this episode up. Uh, do you have a stick tap for this week? Yeah, I'm stick tapping Yarmir Yager. Wow. I, I love this guy. You know that. I'm just fascinated by him. The fact that he was a player in the NHL when I was a kid and he's still playing hockey. You know, he suited up for Cladno uh, in his first game of the season on Wednesday. And the guy just keeps on going and going and going. I, I admire uh, the hell out of his, you know, his ability to push forward. And obviously he's doing that to help the team. He, he owns the team. He runs the team. He's was on the bench at one point for Cladno this year. He's been in practices all season long, but he finally played. So that delays his hall of fame eligibility to at least 2027. And you just, I got a feeling we'll be doing a stick tap next year. <laughs> it's very army Yager playing again. Like I, I don't, I don't think this is the end of the road by any stretch, but uh Stick tap to you, Yarmir. No one embodies the love of the game more than someone who's playing it professionally into their 50s. I mean, that's it really is something that he's able to do that. I know that the, the Czech League is not the highest level of hockey, but I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. Yarmir Yager has been playing in, playing hockey so long. CJ and I can both say we have seen him play at a high level as, as children. That's insane. CJ, my stick tap will go to uh, my fellow athletic colleague and uh, podcast host, Ian Mendez. I just think he's been doing such a great job on Ottawa Senators coverage, just covering this team as they're going through such a tough stretch. And then the DJ Smith news happens, and then he flies to Arizona to cover Jacques Martin's first game back as head coach of the team. I I just wanted to show him some love, man, because I think he's... uh, really good at his job. He does an incredible job covering the team. He does an incredible job on the athletic hockey show. He also teaches journalism at Carlton. Like, I don't, I don't know how he's doing it, but I've just been in awe lately of his work ethic and I just want to show him some love. So what better platform to do it 
than a stick taps here on the CJ show. Love that. Ian's killing it. You're right. And uh, not easy to fly across the country, you know, a week before Christmas out of like that you weren't expecting to. So good for him for, for not taking the option there. I think it was like a 13 hour travel day he had or something. Again, I don't know how he does it. No direct flights from Ottawa to Phoenix. I'll tell you that much. uh, Still, he finds a way to do it. So uh, he is deserving of a stick tap. And that's going to do it for today's edition of CJ Show. Uh, We'll be back next week with brand new episodes. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, whether through audio or through video on the SDPN channel, where you can also find uh, the Steve Dangle podcast and other great podcasts. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long and peace. Merry Christmas, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Thank you, CJ Claus. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook. Always remember to bet local. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK and McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.